Welcome to M5 Successful Friends, and today we are out and about as it is always. And you can see the guy smiling next to me. This is Yako Robla, uh, and Yako is from Prosperity Enterprises. And um, I have had the privilege to meet Yako a couple of times, and uh, he's a cool guy. As you know, if you're sitting in this seat, you're a successful guy, and Yako is killing it in his own right. So welcome, Yaku. How's it going? Right, Tara. Thanks for having me. Very, very well. Thank you. Awesome. Yaku, you play in the property space. Uh, briefly, give us a, uh, an indication. How did you stumble into property and um, what do you do at this present moment? Great. Um, Tara, yes. So I... Um, I have been interested in property since I was in school. So I've, I've, I've been wanting to invest in property literally since I entered high school. You know, I started reading business books, grade eight, grade nine, and very quickly realized that property is something that I'm interested in. Um, from there, you know, for a couple of years in school, they didn't manage to get it right to buy my first property while being in school. But <laughs> fortunately, ah, ah, quickly it, after that, that uh, we got going. Uh, and I would have liked that to be my achievement. But, um, <laughs> but we did start a bit later. So I bought my first property at the age of 21. Okay. Um, that was actually the reason why I took a job. Because I tried to get financing to buy property and I always said that I will never work for anyone and then somebody offered me a job and the first thing that went through my mind is if I take this job I can buy property so I better take the job and then okay. three, uh, three months after I got the job we actually bought our first properties so um, that was that was the start for us and um, then for almost 10 years it was a hobby it, or it was something that we did part-time or let's say about six seven years and um, I was in business, I was in corporate, and during, during the journey, we just continued building our property portfolio. And um, So, you have, you have three, to let, me, three, let, me, let me jump in there, right? So, you, you speak of you have just left high school, and you didn't hit your goal that you wanted, and now you're 21, you, you buy your first property, and, and you're saying we. Who is we? I actually met my wife um, at a very young age. We uh, started dating in just off matric. Okay. And by the time we bought our first property, we were almost married. So oh, I think really? a year after that, yeah, <laughs> about a year after that, we got married. And uh, we've been married almost 10 years now. Good. Awesome. Well done on that and congratulations. Um, I know uh, that you guys are expecting a little baby coming through. Um, so... Kudos to you on, on, a lot of, on a lot of sleepless nights coming through. So, so I, yeah. <laughs> I hope it's going to be twins for you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, cool. So, so there you are with your missus and, um, and you guys took it as a hobby. Like, how does that work? Making it, buying properties as a hobby. So, we grew up 
we grew up in Bloemfontein. Both of us are from Bloemfontein. We've been living in Johannesburg for the past five, six years. Okay. Um, and the investment strategy that we followed, we quickly realized required us to buy in Johannesburg. That doesn't mean there's not great property investments in other places in the country. But our investment strategy um, at that time specifically needed us to, to, um, to, to buy property in Joburg. So although we bought our first property on an auction in Bloemfontein, soon after that, we started um, buying property in Johannesburg. And what we would do is um, I would try and arrange with my boss on a Friday that I leave a couple of hours earlier, maybe like three o'clock or so. Yeah. Um, we would book a hotel for the weekend. We would make it a fun outing to Johannesburg. Yeah. And then in that weekend, that Saturday and Sunday, we'll probably look at about 15 properties, you know, so we will schedule the week before that already um, every hour or every 45 minutes of viewing. And then the Saturday we would um, do a lot of viewings. Uh, Sunday after church, we would do a couple of viewings and then we would, we would drive back to Bloemfontein. We would then get back home. And I would then sit with the numbers of all of those properties and analyze the deals and start submitting offer to purchases. Okay. And often we would submit four or five or six offers, maybe not all together because I might have some trouble if they all get accepted. So yeah. we would maybe submit one or two, see if there's a bite or not. And if there's not the next two and, and so on. And that is also something uh, advice that I still often give my clients today is don't be scared to submit an offer to purchase and don't be scared for OTPs to be rejected. Um, I probably, out of every 10 OTPs I submit, maybe one accepts. So let's go back. Let's go back. You speak about analyzing a deal, right, or a property, right? So you would come down to Johannesburg and then you'd analyze. What do you mean? So that's question number two, number one, actually, right? But... I also want us to zoom in a little bit more on the auction. You mentioned that you, your first property, you actually bought it on auction. And, and maybe let's start from there, uh, because this was your first property, right? So how, how, how did you buy, I know it's 10 years ago, but how did you buy property on the auction? A lot of people don't know, or a lot of people think that you can get cheapies at the auctions. I don't think so. I've never yeah. bought anything at the auction. What's your view? Um, yeah, that's a very, very important uh, question that you are asking. Um, and also, you know, whether when you start investing, whether you should attend auctions or buy from auctions. So we have an interesting story. Um, my wife, um, my wife's family was actually in trouble. And um, in the process, she lost her house, her own house that she had. Um, and that was our first exposure that we had to auctions. Otherwise, we wouldn't have known of auctions. Okay. And that day when I was sitting there, you must remember now, this was in 2009. Um, a lot of people were in financial distress. A lot of properties were going on auctions. And that time there was phenomenal deal on, deals on auction. Sure. Uh, now, maybe not so much. Um, but, but that time, definitely. Are you just saying After that to that, distract us from not going to the, uh, to the auctions? Were you buying? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to tell you the story about the property I bought on auction and why I say that. Yeah. Um, but I spent about six months, almost right. every month, sitting at an auction or two, learning, watching, seeing what's happening. Uh, I was fortunate enough that um, the sheriff was actually an old family friend and I could actually 
go visit him and ask him at his office, but how does an auction work? And what are the things that I need to look out for? And I made sure, very sure that I understand what, what, what the implications are, what you need to look at when buying at an auction. Yeah. But even with all of that, there were so many things that I did not consider. And when that hammer fell on my offer or my bid, um, suddenly through the next month, I realized that uh, there's, a, there's a lot of things that could have gone wrong and that very almost did go wrong. Right. That could have had severe financial implications. And um, I think it is absolutely grace that everything worked out so well through that first um, property deal. Uh, I realize now that it was much more grace than what it was skill. I was actually very lucky that things worked out right. Because I, I, I can I was tell that, Yaku, because, because you, said you spent six months, you know, trying to figure out how does it work. You had an inside person <laughs> and, and you still got it wrong. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I was, I was the first thing I was millimeters away of not getting financing. Wow. Uh, which means if you don't get financing because you put 10% deposit down and costs upfront. Yeah. And if you don't get financing, you pretty much lose what you've put down. Now that 10% okay. I didn't have, I'm, I'm a very resourceful person. So I found that 10%. I borrowed that 10%. Okay. Um, deposit as well. And if, that financing didn't come through, I would have lost a very big portion of, of the money that I put down. And um, that was my first, that was the first very big risk. And I, and, and I was fortunate that it worked out last minute. Okay. The second thing with auction properties, most of the time you can't view the property. You can't see what the condition of the property is. You don't know what goes on inside. I was a little bit more fortunate because I actually got to get into the complex and peek into the windows. The place was standing empty, so I could get an idea of how the property looked. But I still took a chance. But there's a lot of things that could have been wrong. Yeah. Um, that that um, I might not have have realized. So. When somebody asks me, should they buy from an auction? And it's a question that I actually get quite a lot. My advice is usually not in the beginning. At a later okay. stage, when you've got a couple of properties, when you've got a little bit of capital, when you um, have got some experience, yes, by all means, go. Yeah. Um, but then also, and I think very rightfully said that, I've, I've spent a lot of time on auction the last two years. And I often stand amazed uh, astounded at the prices at which some of those properties sell for i don't know if the people that are being didn't do all their calculations because then you have to add these costs and you have to add those costs and you have to add back on some of the costs and when you work out everything that you need to pay i could have actually bought a property cheaper from an agent straight um and and i think that is also something that that um a mistake that a lot of novice investors make is they actually end up paying much more uh, for a property and an auction than what they would have paid if they've just patiently looked through the traditional channels even. I see. Yeah. Uh, I, I've seen that in one or two deals, Jakob, that I've seen other people's doing and we started calculating, speaking of the analyzing that you spoke about, and we analyzed the deal backwards, right? So the guy is bought, he bought an auction and he called me and says, hey, TJ, 
I want to show off this is what I'm doing. And we start analyzing this thing backward and we realize, oh no, you actually lost some money. And exactly. the lesson is if you had just gone to buy with a normal real estate uh, agent, you could have actually made, uh, saved a little bit of more, more money. But let's jump on, on to this analyzing part that you, you spoke about uh, quickly, right? I mean, there's, there's a guy from Bloom driving down to Johannesburg. And I like your style, man. You, you were driving down to Johannesburg and saying to your chick, hey, we're going on a, on a sightseeing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so you're doing a two-in-one. You know, a lot of people got kind of like get stuck. How do I take my girlfriend out and all of those things? And you're hitting one, well, we're hitting uh, one bed, um, I mean, two beds with one stone. You know, you're coming for the excavation, but also you're bonding <laughs> with, your, with your chick in the, in the process. So high five to you, dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but let's talk about now how do, how does one analyze? So there's a property uh, you come down from Bloom. You potentially maybe know the area or don't know the area. Um, that's one of the other questions that I'm going to ask you is that you know would you just go for any area, and how then would you analyze it? So take us the step uh, step by step of analyzing. Right. We are making an assumption that this property is a 500,000 rand property. Okay, so there's a lot of questions or, or observations that you've made now in your statement. So, so um, one of the things that you spoke about is where do you, where do, you uh, do you buy in a lot of areas? Do you need to know the area? All of that. So let's start talking about that. Yeah. Um, you know, in the beginning we drove down for seminars. There wasn't that time finding a seminar in Bloemfontein was very, very difficult. So the first part was education, obviously. So we drove down that seminars. After that, we started driving down. And one of the first things we did is we started driving through Joburg, you know, through oh, as wow. many suburbs in Joburg. Well, Usually yeah, my but, wife would drive. Hold on. Uh, I would sit with my iPad. So, so, so here, you were coming down to Johannesburg with your girlfriend and you were coming down for seminars. That's right, yes. So you were investing in this relationship from an education perspective. Because I meet a lot of people, Yaku, that are like a husband, they've been married like for four, five, 10 years to be, uh, together, and they go to these seminars on their own, and I meet them like four, five years later, and I'm like, have you done anything? And they start telling me, yeah, I'm still convincing the missus or the other way around. And, and I am seeing you here. Yeah. For me, this is a recipe for success. You and your, your girlfriend, you're educating yourself on the same things. How important is that? Yeah, that is, that is so true. And it, it's such an advantage. Um, you, you know, I, I mean, you and your partner, um, it, 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 it makes it so much more fun and so much easier when you do it together, you know, and uh, I've been very fortunate in that regard as well. And, and as well, I mean, um, my wife has got such an understanding of property and what we do, even though she's not involved in the day-to-day -day of it now. Yeah. Um, we're walking this journey together. We are, we are building this thing together. There's right. delayed gratification. There's often delayed gratification and there's understanding because of her, uh, because of her understanding of property, you yeah. know? So, so 
it is it is such an advantage and and that thing that you said um as cliche as it sounds you need to invest in yourself first you can only produce what is in you and if you have not invested in yourself first if you have not educated yourself if you have not um gained knowledge and 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 experience from others um as to how to build this uh, how to build your property portfolio um you, you know it, it it is such an important part of of the journey um like i said after that um we started driving suburbs uh, she yeah. would drive i would sit with my ipad with maps zoomed out to really start getting an understanding of where are we driving sure what is happening where where's the development taking place what's happening in the different um suburbs you know and, and uh, I often tell people, and, and a lot of people don't like it when I say this, but um, yes, properties is a numbers game. It's very, very important, the numbers, and we're going to discuss that now shortly, but it's also based on a lot of gut. You know, sometimes you need to, you need to have a gut feel of, of what is happening in the city. Where, where is property developing towards? Where, are, where, where do people want to live, and where, in, in the future, where are people going to live? Um, there, there's different strategies and that's also going to affect how you analyze a, a property investment. Some investors are extremely focused on cash flow, whereas yeah. other investors are also focused on cash flow, but the capital gain plays a different role or a more important role for them. And, and even between those two strategies, your analysis are going to, going to look different. It's going to be the same analysis, but your benchmarks are going to, are, are going to be different. Um, what, what is what is your some investors? Sorry, Yako, what what is your strategy? Your household, Mr. and Mrs. Krobler, what is your strategy and why? Our personal strategy is much more capital gains focused than cash flow focused. Okay. But in order to do that, you need access to capital. Because if you don't have access to capital, you won't be able to fund you won't be able to fund um, such a portfolio. Sure. So um, the benefit of it is um, when a property grows with five or ten percent, it's very quickly fifty or a hundred thousand rand. Um, whereas to make that with positive cash flow on a property in the same time period could be difficult, um, depending on depending on the type of investment that you make. So um, we love capital growth. Not that I think, I mean, we also have cash flow investments that we, that we look at and that we do. Yeah. Um, but but our, our core focus is, is more focused on, on capital growth. What we, what we teach at the seminars and so on, however, is much more balanced towards the different strategies and how each of those strategies work and, and the pros and cons of each strategy. What, what would you say, Yako, is... Would, would sway someone to take either or because I mean they, there's so many strategies that I've heard out there uh, people they do cash flows they do capital growth uh, some people could do developments and they sell some do uh, some people do flips uh, I mean we, we could sit here until tomorrow talking about the different strategies mm -hmm. that they are out there some people combine some of these strategies right but Absolutely. What, what Absolutely. would you say to someone out there who's starting or maybe who's already started um, and they're just buying, they're not so sure whether they're these strategies. Um, how, would, what, 
how did you get to understand this is my strategy that I want? I'm going to give you the short answer first. Yeah. Access to capital and access to time. I think those are the, those are the main things. Um, right. Cash flow properties are much more time intensive and much less capital intensive, meaning it's much easier to do an investment with much less capital, right. but usually, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that is always the case. I'm, I'm yeah. talking about averages. Uh, usually it would take much more time. It would be much more time intensive. Okay. Having a multi-let, for example, which is often um, linked to a cash flow strategy, um, does require much more time and effort than just buying a unit and renting it out. So um, let me take, for example, my clients, because I've got clients doing all kinds of strategies. I've got a lot of clients that are in corporate. They work 10, 12 hours a day. They're making very good money, uh, but they don't have time to actively invest in property. However, they don't want to necessarily invest in a fund that built their own property portfolio. And um, in, in that in that instance, they would often buy the type of properties where you're not necessarily going to have the best cash flow, but over yeah. time, you're going to see very good capital growth on the property because they are earning very good income. They've got affordability to cover the shortfall if there is a shortfall. And um, their, their primary focus is, is more focused on, on the asset and the growth of the asset sure. than with a cash flow. Then you have to think with a young guy that, that or, or, or girl that's got very limited access to capital. Right. Uh, they've got maybe a lot of time and they need to find a property that's not going to cost them a cent from day one because they don't have a lot of income to subsidize this property portfolio of theirs. Yep. And they're going to go in and they're going to try to do a deal where they've got positive cash flow from day one. Maybe they break up the, um, the, 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 the property into rooms and they rent it out per room or they rent it out even per bed. And, uh, you know, they find ways <laughs> to make it a, a very positive cash flow property, yeah. um, which is not going to cost them, which is not going to cost them um, um, any money on a monthly basis. Yeah. So, so I, I think, like I said, the short answer is, is how does your access to time and your access to, to um, capital look like? Um, for example, let me give you a very good example. I sat with, with a client of mine, yeah. uh, net asset value of over half a billion rand. Yeah. And um, in business, so not in property. And I, I mean, this client is sitting with so much cash, he doesn't know where to invest all of that cash. Sure. So what he started doing is he started buying up apartments in Cape Town on the Atlantic seaboard. I mean, for 10 million rand an apartment. Um, and for a lot of people, they would say, but that is a terrible investment to make. Look at your shortfall. Look at the um, amount of capital. But, uh, you know, that business person is not in a position to manage a lot of small properties or, or that's not his focus. Yeah. And if you look at what the Atlantic Seaboard has done over the last 20 years, he has made a very, very good return on his yeah. capital. And it's capital that he had, that had to go invest somewhere. Yeah. So for that person, that was probably, given his 
his situation or, or given his circumstances or where he was at, that yeah. was probably the best investment that he could make. Um, but so, yeah, for well, somebody else, that would have been the worst investment possible. Yeah. Okay. So it is about you as the individual. It's about access to your money. It's about access to, to your time and resources. That will then translate into what type of investments would work for you. So what works for you, Yako, wouldn't work for me. And the other way around. Correct. Yeah. Okay, cool. Happy with that, right? And I think it's, that's pretty clear, right? In terms of, you know, um, for those people that are like totally in the dark and they're like trying to figure out, hey, how can I get this? Um, but you also run seminars now. So you, from your first property that you bought in, at an auction, and now you moved on, you start to hang around in Johannesburg, and now you've moved over to Johannesburg. You don't even look like a Bloemfontein boy anymore. Um, you're like a Jobeka now, right? Um, <laughs> how? <Absolutely>. You, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so how did you now progress into creating a business from Mr. and Mrs. Krobler's uh, investments? What made you to create a business? Because you've got a business. And that's where I started meeting you in a, in a position where um, you've, got, you've got a business and you do seminars and things like that. So briefly, um, what, what, what happens in your seminars? That's number one. Number two, how did you progress from Mr. and Mrs. Krobler into a business and why? Great. Um, okay, so let's start with the first question. Uh, our property seminars. Our property yeah. seminars is absolutely about equipping individuals to build um, wealth through property. Okay. Um, we teach about we teach the different strategies. We teach a lot on structuring and, and the type of structure that you um, or companies and or trusts or how you structure your property portfolio. We sure. uh, talk about uh, analytics. How do you analyze deals? How do you know if an investment is a good investment or a bad investment? We talk about property management and how do you actually manage this property portfolio that you've built up now for yourself. Right. And um, everything about that seminar is giving individuals tools and resources so that they can build wealth through property. Um, putting the power back into their hands uh, okay. that they have the knowledge and the know-how to do. So, so that in short is, is what the property seminars are about. How I got there, very, very good question. I don't know myself. Um, <laughs> it, it was semi-accidental. <laughs> okay. it, was, it was semi-accidental. I, I actually had a structuring business. Um, yep. My background is finance. I mean, in corporate, I was in finance for a very long time. Um, I was CFO for a wholesale company that operated in multiple African countries and everything I did from the morning to the even, evening was finance and, and finance related. Yeah. And, um, I mean, as a CFO, you've got very wanted, nice specs and you're traveling the world, first class, uh, business class, and you probably have uh, chauffeurs in the country taking you from one place to the next. How the hell did you leave all of this, Yako, to come in and start teaching people? Why? <laughs> I, I, I think you. <laughs> uh, I think you make the picture much more beautiful than what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so even 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 though we had a lot of those things, yeah. Um, yeah, I must be careful how I say this now because yeah. uh, this this needs to come out right. <laughs> I was not building wealth for myself. Let's, That's you it. know. Uh, 
I was not building wealth for myself. And yeah. um, I think more important than that, because you, you can be very successful in corporate as well. More, more important than that, I don't think it was a fit. And um, it wasn't a my, fit my for, passion for has always been property for me. Um, it's about you, right? It's not about anybody else, it was about you. Well, it, sometimes you have to be selfish. And when it comes to your future and your career, you absolutely have to. Um, I, I think that is the best contribution you can make to society as well, is, is finding the place where you fit. Um, and and, and that, that is what it was about for me, is, is finding my passion, finding what really makes me come alive. Yeah. And um, I, wanted to, I wanted to leave that corporate environment. Um, I've always been a very entrepreneurial person. And I lost a lot of that entrepreneurial flair while being in corporate. And, yeah. um, and as I say, it, it was just not the right fit. And I had to find myself again. I, and I had to find um, what makes me come alive. And um, after I left corporate, I started a structuring business um, where I specifically help clients and property investors with their trusts, with the structures, with the accounting, with the tax. Um, you know, uh, the typical finance side of property and the structuring side of property. Yeah. But I ended up sitting with so many clients that, that don't know how to build their property portfolios. And each and every one of those clients spending more and more time with me, with me having to help them to make the right decisions. And that's why I say it was semi-accidental because the next step was, but, but instead of sitting one-on-one -on -one and trying to help every client, which I don't, have the capacity for anymore to do yeah. why not create just one person take all, yeah. of, all of the knowledge and experience that we built up over 10 years from the finance um, side from the academic side from the actual property investment side from the structuring and the tax side and put that together and build a course that can actually um help my clients and yeah. and through that the seminars the seminars um you, you, you know that that part of the business just grew yeah so i know you as a structuring guy right that's what i've all known uh, that's what i how i've always known you um and also working with my with my lawyer bruno smao and um uh when i had problems with some structuring and uh, one day we was speaking to bruno and bruno said to me i'm gonna check in with yaku and i'm like uh what do you mean uh and you know um but that's how I came to know about you and having to, to have a business that do structuring and things like that. Now, um, let us jump in shortly to speak about what is the best structure to actually buy your properties, right? Or to, to, to build a portfolio. Um, and, and when I say best here, um, I know a lot of people would then say, hey, TJ said this is the best. Uh, no, really. Um, the best practical, I always say that, you know, whenever I listen to people talk and whenever I hear people giving recommendation, is this fit purpose for me, right? So for you, Yaku, you've built a business, you've got uh, a portfolio, you've been at it now for plus 10 years. What has worked for you in terms of structures? Ask three different people about structuring and you'll get three different answers. <laughs> 100%. Yep. So it is a, 
it is a very interesting topic and, and there's a lot of opinions out there. Um, I've actually done a series in the Real Estate Investment Magazine now about structuring. It's actually busy running now as we, um, as we are doing this interview. I think two of the articles have already been published and the third one will be published in the next, um, will be published soon. And um, there we did a little bit more of an in-depth analysis on on what you need to look out for when it comes to structuring. Yeah. And there's a couple of points with, without going into too much detail, uh, DJ, there's a, there's a couple of points um, that I want to point out. One thing that we always remind our clients of is that you want the trust to be the final owner of what you own. So whether you are owning property directly in a trust or whether you are owning it through a property a company, that yeah. company then needs to be owned with trust. And the reason for that is simple. As somebody that is in business or as an investor, the ideal place I believe for a person to, or for an individual to be in is in a place where you've got no assets and no liabilities in your name or what very, you, very little liabilities. Yaku, what do you mean? I mean, how can I, how can I say I own stuff? And how can I go and break, you know, back home to say I've got assets when but it's not me <laughs> and it's the trust, you know? That's like, exactly what you want. You know, uh, we, the, one of the first business books I read um, was Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Poor Dad, as many others. And something that he would often uh, write in his books is yeah. the rich controls everything but owns nothing. And I okay. never understood what he meant by that. Yeah. And um, only when I got exposed to trusts after school that I actually understand and realize that this is what he meant. Yes. You don't want to own things. Yeah. You know, um, uh, one of the first words that a baby says is mine. You yeah. know, we as human beings want to say, I own this thing and this is mine. Yes. And then that is in, in, in business and in investment, that's probably one of the worst things that you can have because it exposes you. You know, you, you don't want assets in your name because assets in your name are exposed. Yeah. You also don't want a lot of debt on your name because a lot of debt on your name affects your credibility and your credit record. So, the best place for you as an individual to be is in a place where you've got no assets in your name and very little debt. And what I mean by very little debt, the only debt that you really want on your personal name is things like a clothing account or two or a small credit card or a small overdraft or a, um, maybe a cell phone account. Things that can bolt your credit score, that can bolt your credit record, but that is not going to show a lot of debt on your name. Um, because... You can only have so much debt on your name. And when you reach that point, you very quickly find yourself in a place where you can't move. You yeah. can't um, hold further because you are overexposed. And that's where structuring and entities becomes so important. Now, so Yaku, you, you, you speak to the converted, right? Because, I mean, you know my story. I was in debt, 5 million rand. And um, I did everything on my personal name. And I didn't know any better. And uh, I hadn't met Robert Kiyosaki, I called him Uncle Bobby. I hadn't met him. And eventually when I did, I was in a position where I was in so much debt. And I'm busy, um, uh, I've, I've now built a business and I'm busy now restructuring a lot of it. The last thing that is on my name now is my personal house where I, I stay. And I'm still trying to solution that. But I've now learned to live in a trust and have my company owning the trust and everything else, I don't physically own anything. 
Um, and I speak of these pains in my book, my latest books that I'm writing now. I speak of that to say, you know, you, you can live like that because that's what we're taught. Or should I say that's what's in the general public as knowledge. Um, however, these small little nuggets that you pick up from people like Robert and so on, there's plenty of books around structuring and people like you coming into yeah. the seminars. If we don't take heed of that, the day when things go wrong, everything else goes wrong. Where he's opposed, if you had like exactly. a trust in the company and this company goes wrong, you can literally ring fence that and that company closes or whatever the case is, but you continue living exactly. as a person, right? Am I following that's the right structures here that you, you recommend? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, a word that you just used now, and, and, and that's a very important thing to learn as an investor and as a business person is ring fencing. It's ring yeah. fence your assets and ring fence your risk yeah. so that everything is not exposed. Imagine you're having your investments in different baskets and yeah. when one basket is affected, it shouldn't affect the other basket. Yeah. One thing that I just want to point out on that as well, um, you know, and, and it's something that we spoke about in the articles as well, yeah. Um, without making it overcomplicated today, for me, there are two approaches that you can take. One is um, in a company where the company is owned by a trust. The other route is directly in a trust. And that is a structure that I've often liked very much because of a lot of benefits that, that a lot of people don't understand. Um, when your trust owns your property directly, um, you've got certain advantages and tax advantages that you don't have in any other entity. Okay. Um, if, if you, so, so, so what they speak about the conduit principle and how the conduit principle works is that any profit that a trust makes, whether yeah. it is capital by nature or income by nature yeah. can be distributed to beneficiaries. And uh, through that distribution to the beneficiaries, even though a trust is taxed at 45%, uh, very often you would pay less tax in a trust than in any other structure. So yeah. the short or, or the short answer that I would usually give somebody when they ask me, should I buy in a company or in a trust is buy your first couple of properties in a trust directly and then move over to the structure that you spoke about now where you say trust own, owning the company. And the reason for that is, You've got yourself and your spouse and your children and maybe your parents through which you can distribute profits and reduce capital gains tax as well as income tax to rates even less than what you would pay in a company. Um, I actually have a great article on that on my website, on Prosperity Enterprises' website. Yeah. Um, and the article's name is that somebody say tax benefits count us in. And in that article, we actually use a practical example of how, how tax would be calculated if you owned the property in your own name versus in a company versus in a trust. And in that article, we show that in many instances, you would pay less tax in a trust than in any other entity. Cool. Yako, you, you, um, you are full of resources. I know that you earlier on you said to us that you are a resourceful guy. And I mean, just having to speak to you in the last couple of minutes, I, I, I can hear, I've engaged with you in the past. I've seen some of your articles. I've read, I've learned from some of those things. And uh, I just want to applaud you to say, hey, dude, 
continue doing what you're doing to those that are wanting to be converted and those that are wanting to learn. Um, yeah, you're just full of knowledge in terms of what property, how you can structure things and pick up for you in terms of learning and applying those things, right? Yaku, for someone else who's literally just starting off, right? And they're, they're hearing what we are talking about for the first time. They've never heard anything about this. And they're like, ah, well, I want to go and start and do this property investment, right? Three tips that you can give them. Three tips. Yeah. Number one, invest in yourself. Okay. Read as much as you can, learn as much as you can, speak to as many people um, as you can, view as many properties as you can, invest in yourself. Yeah. That is very, very important. Tip number two, um, get your structuring right. It is right. often very, very difficult to fix your structuring, your, uh, the entities in which you are buying later, and it can come at a huge cost. So before you start, make sure you've got the right structures in place. And tip number three, be willing to take the leap. Don't be afraid to fail and uh, don't hold back. Uh, we've got one life. Uh, it is much shorter than what we think it is. And um, give it your all. Don't be, don't, don't be afraid to make mistakes. If you want to be great at property investment, you are going to have failures and it's okay to have failures. You speak of saying that it's okay to have failures. Have you ever lost money in, in property, Yaku? Often. I've, I've often made poor decisions. Yeah. And um, that has probably been the best teacher. That has probably been the best teacher for me is, is, is making mistakes. So, um, so that is, that is a, I believe, an absolute necessity. Obviously, you want to learn as often as possible from other people's mistakes rather than your own, yeah. but you are going to have mistakes. And um, sometimes you need to make that mistake to really learn, to really learn, um, to really learn from it. You know, uh, I always use the, the metaphor of surfing because I'm a very passionate, very amateur surfer. And um, <laughs> I, I, I always say that, you can read as many books about surfing and speak to as many people about surfing as you wish. Yeah. But the only way that you are going to get up on to a board and actually surf is by falling off that board numerous times. You can't avoid that. Yeah. You can, you can get tips, you can get help. You can, you can have people guide, you can have people go with you into the water, but it's not gonna, you, you're not going to get past that, Part where you are actually going to have to almost drown a couple of times before you're actually going to be able to stand on a surfboard. So um, that is how life works. That is how everything in life works. Um, that is how a baby learns to walk is by falling over, over and over and over. That, that is the only way that you are going to master any craft uh, in life. And, and the sad fact is that people are so scared to fail. People are so scared to make mistakes yeah. that they are not willing to go through that part of failure. And, and for that reason, they never, become, they never become great in the craft. That's it. Yako, it's been great speaking to you. I've enjoyed my chat Thank with you. you. And in closing, in closing, what I'd like to say is that Yako touched on a nerve. And I almost felt like giving Yako a tissue when we were talking about uh, failures. Because uh, you could see that uh, Yako lost some, some good money there and he was becoming emotional around it. That's okay. I've also <laughs> lost some money. 
<laughs> I've lost some money before in, in property. It is not all rosy. However, the upsell to it is enormous than any other business that I've seen. People still need accommodation. People still need somewhere Absolutely. to work from. And this is what real estate and property is all about. So Absolutely. if you're one of those people that are looking in terms of structuring and things like that, Yaku is your guy. That's the guy that can help you in doing all of those cool things. Um, and that's number one. Number two, um, if you're really wanting to go through into the next mile, you started off and you're thinking, how do I structure this now? Yaku, again, is the guy that you need to be speaking to. Yaku's got so much resources on his website. Uh, he started now writing for other people in terms of magazines and things like that. So you can be rest assured that guys from Bloomfontein, they also have some form of information that can help you. Um, this is TJ from Empire Property Addicts. We are live. We've been chatting to Yaku. Yaku, thanks a lot. Thank you for your partners, Yaku. You work with partners as well, right? And um, thank you Absolutely. for your thank you to your partners that have availed you to come and speak to us, uh, because obviously we have stolen from your business uh, because you could have been making some deals and putting in some offers, but you have taken time to come and speak to us on Empire Successful Friends. So we are over and out for now. Uh, hope you are investing wisely. And uh, if you're starting off, speak to Yako around your structuring and anything else around you investing. Uh, it's been great speaking to you. Uh, it is over for now. Cheers and God bless. Bye. <laughs>